0: Welcome to the podcast Your Time with James Sweetman Every so often we all need a little encouragement some words to capture our mind, engage our heart, and enliven our spirit. And that's my intention with this podcast. It's an opportunity for you to take a few minutes out of your busy day and listen to what I hope is thought-provoking and empowering content. Each week, my guests and I share stories, challenges, and vulnerabilities, as well as tips and insights on a whole range of topics, all with the aim of helping us to live in a more soulful, authentic, and integrated way. So thank you for tuning in. Let's jump into this week's episode. Hello and welcome to this week's episode. I can't believe it; it's the last in the series of um, my podcast, Your Time with James Sweetman. I don't know where the last 12 weeks have gone. I will have a special episode before Christmas, and there will be an episode to mark the new year as well, uh, before the new season of Your Time returns in the spring. So for today, I'm delighted to close out the season with a very special guest. Uh, Jerry Duffy is an international speaker on corporate performance, focusing in particular on the topics of effective leadership, goal setting, time effectiveness, and presentation skills. He shared his wisdom at over a thousand companies and organizations. His clients include Abvi, British Gas, Hewlett Packard, PayPal, Standard Life, and the University of Notre Dame. His personal passion for sport has seen him complete many extreme sporting challenges, perhaps most famously running 32 marathons in 32 consecutive days. Just think about that for a minute. In the last 12 years, he's delivered over 2000 presentations at conferences and workshops in Ireland and overseas, and he's authored three books. And here's something you might not have expected, and it's relevant to what we'll be chatting about today. And somewhat ironically, for someone who does what he does, Jerry once had a pathological fear of public speaking, which no doubt we'll chat about. So Jerry, you're so welcome. Thank you for joining me today.
1: I am delighted to be here, James. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, and it's a lovely way, the way you' sort of finished up to close out this series with, uh, with yourself because I know we're going to have a good chat. And, and I think there's probably so many things we could we could chat about, you know, from your extreme running challenges. you know, for someone who just barely completed a marathon, Jerry, I'm, <laughs> I'm always in awe with some of your feats, um, your, your client work, your conference talks. But for today, we're going to we're going to focus in on maybe a topic that's close to both of our hearts, and that's presentation skills. And in particular, the skill of presenting, if I phrase it that way, because I because I think we both sort of think it's more broadly applicable than, than perhaps maybe some people tuning in would think. But before we delve into all of that, give us a little bit of your own story, how you established yourself as a well-respected professional speaker and, and also someone who, who now teaches presentation skills workshops.
1: Yeah so I'm I'm now 54 plus a little bit of VAT and um, so so kind of if I if I kind of go back 50% of my lifetime I was in in my kind of 20s I, I was working in in a, in a regular job and um, I was just I guess you know living a normal life and, and whatever but I I'd, I I put on quite a bit of weight from when I left school and I I took up running in my mid-20s to to lose weight at the time and, right. and it had a huge impact on me. Exercise had a huge impact on me and I, I just be, I, I instantly just fell in love with it I, or maybe re fell in love with it because I did love exercise as a child but I, mm-hmm. I kind of had once I kind of had stepped into the world at 18 19 it kind of stopped. Um, But anyway, I kind of got back into that and I didn't realize, James, but it it slowly began to change me because exercise and for me that was running, it started to change my thinking. It started to kind of just gently nudge me to kind of set a higher bar in life. And, Mm. you know, I I began to kind of ask a little bit more of myself in different areas, whether it was in my health, whether it was in in, in fitness, obviously, whether it was in just the job I was in. I, I said, I need to kind of push myself a little bit more here. I began to get a bit more ambitious. I ended up setting up my own business in 2003. And I worked at that for five or six years very happily. But then uh, the recession hit. In the intervening period, i kind of done my first marathon, as you mentioned there, and I was into kind of triathlons and Ironman triathlons, and in, in a personal capacity, I was kind of now doing kind of what, for me, were kind of big challenges like running marathons or, or doing iron distance triathlons, those kind of things. and did really change my mindset where I started to believe that I could actually achieve things. But um, in 2009, kind of 2008, 2009, the business I was in, I, I was struggling to make it work, if I'm being honest. And I, I began to look at, well, what can I do? I wanted to continue to work for myself. So I decided to set up a, a, a speaking business. Now, I need to kind of take you back just a few years to 2005, because you mentioned about the pathological fear. Yes. And up to 2005 i did have a pathological fear of public speaking and i use those words very respectfully because you know it, it I, I know we're talking about something that maybe that's a general thing for many many people and so many people are, are dealt huge challenges in life but this was a, a massive mental challenge for me it arrived in the form of the business that i had at that time where i had to kind of put myself out there and, and stand up and speak um, and it was it was an ordeal to say the least six weeks of, of severe mental anguish but i did get through it and there's an expression i, I heard once upon a time which is small keys can open big doors oh, and four years awesome. later i i i was looking for new ideas i said well what skills do you have and i now realized if if i was willing to do it i could stand up and speak okay. in front of an audience so I decided to set up a business where I, I was going to focus on, at that time, goal setting and achieving big goals mm-hmm. but to bring that into a corporate environment. So that was the that was almost like the birth of the business that I've been privileged to be in for the last 12 years.
0: Gosh, and it's it's so fascinating when you when you think of something that was was a fear for you and it's a fear for so many people and. Um, has sort of come full circle, Jerry, and is and his core to what you do as a communicator. Um, and of course, we were just chatting beforehand that you're you're going to be speaking at the Pendulum Summit in the in the new year as well. Perhaps one of the biggest stages in the in the country, which is uh, which is a fantastic achievement.
1: Yeah, yeah, really looking forward, I have to say, yeah. there'll, there'll certainly be several thousand people in the room. And my first talk was was to four people. And I right. was so afraid like that. In that talk, James, I had to go to a hypnotist right. to help me kind of get through what, what was an ordeal at the time. But, you know, I, I know you use language around public speaking being a life skill. Mm. I totally align with that because I got so much more than just maybe the ability to stand up confidently and, and present and it didn't happen overnight I did my first talk I was years becoming a confident speaker if I'm being honest mm. but you know you mentioned that life skill and, and mm. I'd love to just linger there if I could for a sure. bit because as, as 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 I think of that I think of man some people might be familiar with Warren Buffett the, the, yes. the, the yes. financial guru billionaire but great philanthropist and he's I think he's almost 90 years of age now, incredibly successful businessman, but, you know, the proudest achievement of his life, I've seen him say this, and it's it's his biggest recommendation to people, is the importance and the value and the impact of getting comfortable with public speaking. And he said, because you may never want to be a speaker or, or, you know, do it for a living, But whether we realize it or not, it's there anyway. It's there in almost so many things we do. Like if we're a teacher, we're a public speaker. If we're going for a job interview, we're a public speaker. If we're trying to Mm -hmm. market a small business, we are a public speaker. Our ability to impact people with our communication skills. And he has one plaque on his wall in his office. And it's a course that he did in the early 1950s, a Dale Carnegie public speaking course. And he says that's the most valuable thing he's ever done in his business.
0: Gosh, gosh! Isn't that something? When you think of um, of all he has achieved, that that's what he puts top of the list. Um, it's it's funny because I mean we both work in the space of presentation skills and. Um, um, you know, for some people it's they, they they have a speech to do at a wedding, you know, or they've something formal to deliver at work, or there's a presentation as part of an interview. But as you rightly say, I think if you're if you're running your own business, um, if you're climbing a career ladder, it, it is about being comfortable and communicating what it is that you want to say and influencing skills comes into it. There's there's so many different components to it when we think about it. Um, and of course, I know you run your own. Presentation skills uh, workshops as well, Jerry. I think it, it, the presentation skills school or, or the school of public speaking. Um, maybe talk to us a little bit about that, because I think you've got one or two scheduled, don't you? I do indeed. Yeah. Up? So we run an event
1: mm. as you say called Speaker School, and it's it's Speaker a, mm. it's, it's a one day workshop. Like we do lots of deeper work with people, but it's like a starting point for many people. And it's a one day workshop where we where we help people become even better because, you know, if we can speak, well, then we can speak publicly because we're, we're kind of doing it every day, whether we realize it or not. Mm. But for some people, it's more important, as you say, whether it's a work presentation, a job interview, you know, wedding speech, whatever it might be, it's to help people you know, to to kind of teach them some tools. And, you know, the great thing I've learned about public speaking, I used to, I was big into golf as a kid and even as an an early adult. But if if I want to be a a really high standard golfer, it it would take years. Mm -hmm. Whereas, you know, some of the things that we teach in that day, you can literally bring them in straight away in terms of your skill set because people bring a presentation to that workshop, which we work on throughout the day. Mm -hmm. And people leave, significantly elevated in terms of their skills simply by immersing themselves in just one day of it. Yeah. And if we can actually learn these skills quite quickly if we have the, the, you know, the commitment to do it. But also another, you know, we talk about it being a life skill. The, one of the biggest things I got from maybe having the the, the ambition or the, the courage, because for me, it was courage to stand yes. up and address the yeah. of first audience. James, I got more confident.
0: Yeah.
1: And that for me was... I wasn't expecting that. I just wanted to get through what Mm -hmm. what I thought was an ordeal Mm -hmm. and what I felt was an ordeal in terms of work presentation I had to do. But I, I became a more confident person in that room that day because I stepped forward I, I i took that step and i got rewarded for that effort in terms of my my thinking really went to another level
0: yeah, yeah. it started to
1: feed into other areas of my life so it, it, it
0: filters out yes yes just like the running you said like it's it's you're doing one thing but it it, it impacts that it, it impacts every aspect of your life
1: hugely um, so i started to feel confident in other areas yeah. and, and and that kind of helped me kind of get a bit more momentum in my life so it it it's 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 such a it's just opened so many doors. That that expression small keys, it just has opened so many doors in my life.
0: It's funny, I'd not come across that phrase before. Small keys open big doors. Love it. Um and it's it's interesting what you say there about courage, because I mean, I know from working with people in this area myself, they often think they're looking for more confidence as a public speaker. And that's that's often the avenue in. I'd like to feel more comfortable at the top of the room. Um, but it's not it's not confidence that gets you to the top of the room. It is courage. Um confidence is the payoff. Courage has to come first. Um, as I always say it, confidence is if, if you're if you're stepping outside your comfort zone, which delivering a presentation is for the vast majority of people, um, it, confidence won't be there, <laughs> but you can find courage. Um, and somehow that's much more accessible to us. Um, it's, it's a fascinating area, this, and I and I, and, and I know um I know so many people listening in. Um, will we'll, we'll sort of say, gosh, I wish I had the confidence to, uh, you know, to present, um, you know, to influence, to be more assertive, however it would filter into their lives. Um, and, and of course, the fear is the great is, is the great disabler. That fear of public speaking, and of course, as that adage, Jerry, we've all heard, you know, more people supposedly fear fear speaking in public than they do death, which is um, which is always a a bizarre one. Um, But why do you think that is? Why is fear such a big disabler in that area, Jerry? Based on on your work with clients.
1: Yeah, in in certainly for me, speaking for myself, I know that it, it was. And I think when I when I share this theory with people, mm. usually people say, Yeah, that's exactly it. You yes. just might use a different word. But very often, James, I've discovered it's a fear of judgment. Right. We're, mm-hmm. we're afraid of what other people are going to yes, think or how yes. we're going to come across to them. Um, and I think that's at the heart of of, of most of it for most people um and you know that that that, you know we're we're, you know the thing is though and what i share people is the audience actually every even the people at ted you know the well-known yes media
0: talks yes
1: they share six words with nervous speakers and they're coaching nervous speakers all the time Mm -hmm. and and here's the six words and and when i share them i really believe it to be true and i'll tell you why afterwards Mm -hmm. so here's the six words that they share with nervous speakers everyone here is on your side. Mm -hmm. And the reason I truly believe that to be true is every audience, no matter where they are, they only care about one thing. Mm -hmm. What's in this presentation that I'm about to listen to for me?
0: Exactly, And Mm -hmm. so
1: they want your presentation to be a success because they care about themselves. And I I would encourage people to kind of use that knowledge to to, the audience is on my side here, they're not working against me. Yeah, Um, yeah. And there's lots more things if, if, that we can delve into around, around how can we achieve this. But to specifically answer your question, I think it's that what will people think?
0: Yeah, and I think we're skewed. I think it's part of our defence mechanism, Jerry, where we're it's a form of self protection. We're automatically assuming the worst. And uh, for for me in this area, because it's not just <laughs> I suppose the people I work with, but I have to apply this stuff to myself as well. Is that um, we will assume that the audience will be judging us negatively. Um, whereas I often say to, to people, okay, if I have that thought in my awareness, you know, one of the one of the, the roots of my nervousness or worry is my fear that they will be judging me ne- negatively. But as I always say, in that moment, you're the one who is actually judging the audience negatively because you're not giving them the benefit of the doubt. And then if you add in your piece, you know, everyone is on my side because, you know, the audience doesn't really care how you're feeling. Like they're just there to receive information And what's in this for me. And we've all had experiences, I think, too, of when we've been in the audience. And we don't want to feel uncomfortable, like we don't want to feel uncomfortable if the person at the top of the room is uncomfortable, because that emotion will be contagious, it's like we want to be in a safe pair of hands, and and then you can sort of add into the piece as well that if you're at the top of the room delivering something, you know more on that topic than the audience does. You know, I,
1: I love what you said there about the audience, you know, yeah. and what came to mind for me is that, you know, very often we make the audience's mind up for them. Yes. Like they're going to think this about me, but that's yes, we're judging
0: we're, them. We're judging them. Yeah. 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 yeah, we're judging them, but we're assuming that they're judging us.
1: Yeah, you know? and And you know, in that in that speaker school workshop, on that day, I share six tips. But I also around how can we how can we be better at this? But how can Mm. we be more confident? Mm. But you know, I always share a quote from a lady called Eleanor Roosevelt, who was first lady in the White House from 1933 to 1945. And when I was pursuing tools and strategies to become more confident because I spent years and I teach in half an hour, what it took me years to figure out. But um, when I was, I was, my radar was looking everywhere to become a more confident speaker. Mm -hmm. And and I, I spent years all the time looking for new tools. And it was a summary of all the tools kind of helped me. But one, I heard this quote from Ella Roosevelt and it hit me so impactfully like i I, hit me in a really positive way Mm -hmm. and she said this she said nobody can make you feel inferior without your consent Mm -hmm. and i thought that was so powerful it was me i was allowing this line of thinking into my head you know that i i would that i would feel inferior I, it was me was actually given permission for me to feel that way. Yeah. So I was, therefore, was the solution to it. So so I'm not going to do that. That's really her quote has stuck with me to this day.
0: Yeah, yeah. Very powerful that sometimes you hear it with the word consent or with permission, you know, and sometimes, it, well, I'm not giving permission today. It's like I'm owning how I'm feeling. Um, and there was something else then when you were speaking. Yeah, that links links back for me, Jerry. It prompts the piece on confidence from the Latin confidus, meaning with faith. Um, but it's almost like if I if I allow other people to view me however they wish to view me, that shifts the pendulum then back to putting the self into self confidence. Like I'm self referencing more is how I would view it, uh, and it, it's my uh, confidence or my faith in myself is allowed then to come to the fore because I've stepped away from the my own judgment of others judging me negatively um it's like it's like a little spiral we can keep going deeper with that one i think we've spoken about your speaker school and and for people tuning in how can they contact you or find out more jerry what's the best way
1: yeah, uh, I always recommend, you know, my email address is on my website, which right. is gerryduffyacademy.com. And also LinkedIn is kind of my my kind of social, my right. my favorite social media tool. So I, I, I correspond with people, pop me a message on LinkedIn if, if it's of interest. And we run them every kind of three or four months, mm-hmm. one coming up um, before the end of, of, of the year in early December. And then our next one will be in the early spring.
0: Yeah, great. Great. And as they, it's not just for people who are uh you know delivering presentations as part of work it's it's viewed much more broadly and as a life skill and and as a and as a way of facing fear I think as well Jerry there's that personal development aspect to it I I often use the term myself that you know if you're delivering a presentation at work or as part of an interview or whatever you know the presentation itself is almost secondary it's your opportunity to grow as a person um, and, and to view and to view that environment as your little classroom. So yeah, great. So JerryDuffyAcademy.com. Is the way to get more information. So, Jerry, a few great tips already. And, and I love that piece from the from the TED Talk, the, the audience, the, you know, everyone is on your side. I'm going to be, I'm going to be holding that one myself. <laughs> um, um, but what, what any other little quick tips that you could share with listeners who maybe just don't see themselves as presenters, but they're just looking maybe to enhance their communication skills or their influencing skills more broadly. Um, and I think that you could offer them as a quick takeaway today.
1: Yeah, so well, there's there's kind of ideas popping off in my hair with lots of different ideas, but you know, even some very high level things, you know. One I remember getting advice once that, you know, speak if you're gonna speak in front of an audience, speak as if you're just having a conversation. Right. But personally I, I don't subscribe to that. That doesn't work for me. And I'll tell you why. If mm-hmm. I speak at a At a pace, if I want to impact an audience, whether it's seated around a table or whether it's a a pendulum summit or whatever it might be, if I speak at a normal pace and in a normal tonation, like I would in a coffee shop, Mm -hmm. I'm not going to impact that audience. My words are not going to resonate or stand out. So one, a couple of tips, maybe it would be maybe speak less words, speak a little bit slower, Mm -hmm. some tonation into you know maybe the key words that you want to get across because if every word is important that you say well then no words are important Mm -hmm. So, so so definitely definitely some some things also it's it's you know, George Bernard Shaw. As you can see, I'm a I'm a lover of quotes.
0: Oh well, I, I, I'm your brother on that one. <laughs> and, you know, and
1: George Bernard Shaw had a great quote about communication, and communication is everywhere. But we assume that the communication is transferring. He said, um, um the the problem with communication is the illusion that the communication has taken place." Okay. And so much communication is 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 lost and it's it's not because we didn't say the word it's just i guess the learning here is how you say what you say is every bit as important Mm. as what you say
0: oh indeed yes yes
1: i was at a i was at a a talk quite recently and the speaker was on for 30 minutes and they spoke an awful lot of words but I I am not convinced that the audience got the messages because it was almost like the words were firehosed over the audience. Like they were just sprayed them with mm, words. Mm. But it was that that thing, I guess, of they made every word important and they spoke at 130 or 140 words a minute. So just I don't think they they educated the audience. I think the audience were overwhelmed. And yeah. it was all to do with how the communication, it's not what was communicated, it was how it was communicated, I think, is where it it didn't
0: achieve the game. Yeah, yeah, no, I hear you. And there's so much in that, um, you know, if I put my NLP hat on for a bit, you know, with all information, we will generalize, delete, and distort it. And there's only so much that we can take in. I, I often think with audiences, even if it's half an hour or an hour long talk, they're only going to remember two or three things. Uh, and some of that will be how it's delivered, not necessarily what it's delivered. And if the how isn't positive, the what is lost. Um, that George Bernard Shaw, will go toe to toe with quotes today, Jerry. The one that that prompted for me was one that's credited to Winston Churchill. And um, it could be adapted, I think, for for presentations as well. But Churchill said, I wrote him a long letter because I didn't have time to write him a short one.
1: Oh, yeah, brilliant, yeah, brilliant. Yeah.
0: Because it wasn't edited, and I think that's what we're talking about here, is editing something down to its to its essence, almost, um, and, and the pacing of it. You know, you're saying slowing it down, absolutely, the pacing of it. So it almost has to be slower than real-life talk, because I think particularly as Irish people, we rabbit away, you know, <laughs> I don't know many words a minute, but I think for people to receive it, it has to be more measured, and then, of course, for it to be more measured, we have to look at our breathing, uh, know, knowing that when we're when we're a little bit nervous, we will breathe faster.
1: And and on that, you know, if because possibly people, if they're interested in this topic, you know, you know, fear or nerves could be an issue because it is for, for, so, mm-hmm. for so many people. Just a couple of really as you mentioned the breathing there, Here, here's maybe a couple of really quick kind of 60 seconds of some some tips on that. Mm-hmm. And I do it under the acronym of your your, your personal best formula, so PBF. Right. And the, the P stands for practice. Yes. And, you know, what level of practice have you put into it? Because yes. I think we earn the right to be a confident speaker yes. or presenter based on our preparations the practice. And if I was practicing, and I learned this from, from somebody who taught me this is, if, if you don't practice on a practice audience, it means you're practicing on the real audience. Uh-huh. And that's not a good place to practice. Uh-huh. So we could practice in our kitchen and even pretend that we're that the audience is in front of us. So the four chairs represent four people and it's almost stand up and present to an invisible room, but that's actually, you know, to, you're, you've convinced yourself that the, the door is a person, the window is a person, the fridge is a person. And if you truly commit to that, where you absolutely convince yourself in that moment that they're in front of you, when you go to deliver it for real, the the brain will feel, hang on, we've done this before. But only if we commit to really kind of pretending that we are there. The B stands for breathing and Mm -hmm. you brought it up. And and I, I think it's such a brilliant, it's such an accessible, such a simple, such a valuable tip. And um, Because I remember getting feedback from a client in my early years as a full-time speaker, and I said, "Listen, we're really happy, but we 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 have some feedback for you that we'd like to share." We had a complaint from one of the people in the audience, and uh-huh. I said, "Oh, and what was the complaint?" And they said, "They said you spoke too fast." Right. And when I when I kind of examined my own behavior over the next couple of weeks, I realized they had did they did me a great favor by giving me that feedback. And the the, the speaking fast was the symptom, but the cause was my brain wasn't in control. So I was speaking fast out of nerves. I remember getting this breathing tip on the radio one day where it said, breathe in for four seconds. If you ever get nervous about something, and to do this for me three or four times is what I would do it. And maybe in the few minutes before, or if I'm feeling anxious the night before, whatever it might be, it's to breathe in for four seconds, hold for about seven seconds and then slowly breathe out until you almost empty your lungs and then repeat. So I call it, the, that takes me about 11 seconds. So I call it the, the four, seven, 11, yes. <clears throat> which some people might remember as an aftershave from.
0: Yes, yes. If you have a certain vintage. <laughs> yeah.
1: But the, the beauty of that, James, is, as I'm sure you'll, you'll testify, the impact of focusing on a breathing, number one, it distracts us. Yeah. Number two, it slows the heart rate down. It it kind of, it centers us, it grounds yeah. us. It it kind of helps us kind of get back in the moment, get back control. And it's such a simple thing. The audience wouldn't even know I was doing it. It's almost like invisible, but that was a game changer for me. So that's the B, the, the practice, the P is the practice, the B is the breathing. And the F is the focus. Right. So instead of focusing on yourself, Focus on the message or the benefit or the value. I was watching um, one of those, The Voice UK, about six weeks ago. Mm. And there was a singer on it. And she was, after getting through the first stage, and she was onto the second stage, and they said, will you be nervous or words to that effect? And she said, do you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to think of my young daughter. Right. And what she was doing was she was putting she wasn't going to focus on being nervous. She was focused on I'm doing this for my daughter. Mm-hmm. And she said, that's going to help me be a confident singer in that moment. Yeah. So that's the focus.
0: Yes, I love that. P, P, PBF. Um, there's so much within that in itself. Um, uh, Jerry, I love the the, the focus bit, you know, I, sometimes I'll say to, to people when I'm working with them in this area that if we're overly nervous or anxious in that moment, we're actually being quite selfish. Like we're more focused on ourselves, whereas our, our role is to share information with others, get your focus back onto the audience, get get it to be on being of service to others. That's why you're there, you know. <laughs> um, but what also struck me, speaking about the breathing bit, going way back to when, when we started And you were speaking about the running and how that had transform transformational, you know, impact in different areas of your life. And of course, you know, with running, it changes our breathing patterns. Um, And for me, you know, going to the Latin with 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 breath, you know, to inhale is to inspire inspire, which brings us into the territory of inspiration uh, as well, which I just think is a fascinating. How would I say it? combination when we think about it and and oftentimes you know the way we say I'm just going to go for a walk I'm going for a run and I and it clears my head yes Um, it does that because we're changing our breathing patterns and of course energy is moving so it's it's um as i suppose we're breathing all the time sometimes it makes sense to just breathe a bit more purposefully um, and to and 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 to take and to take more more conscious control of it as you say it becomes a strategy for us not just uh something that's going on in the background yeah, yeah I, I,
1: I, I, and i remember somebody i was chatting to somebody in my a very close you know within my network somebody very close to me and I remember they shared with me a couple of years ago that were feeling a little bit anxious, and, mm. and they said, "What would you do if you're feeling anxious?" And I just mentioned about the breathing, and I met this person about five or six weeks ago. So this is a year and a half later, and they told me, you know, that has helped them, and that was only like a one minute conversation, and it was such an accessible tool. They said they've never forgotten it, and whenever they feel anxious, that that yeah. breathing definitely has a, has a value for them.
0: Yeah, and as some sometimes say, it's like we sort of have that wisdom, Jerry. It's like if we're a bit nervous or anxious, someone will say to, "Well, sure, take a deep breath and off you go." You know, it's like, well, yes, you know, let me just do that much more, much more consciously. Yeah, uh, I that's know. A
1: key word, consciously. Okay. Yes.
0: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I know you're a great fan of the concept, Jerry, of moving to the next level. And I think that's true of of life. And I think it's true of any soft skill. I think it's true of presentation skills as well, because it's always about progression in a direction. You know, we're never done, you know, whilst the two of us might work in this field, we're still learning ourselves. And we learn through practice and all of that as well. But for, for people... Who maybe are used to delivering presentations, maybe they're a manager at work or you know, they're a teacher, they're someone who who is used to communicating to groups, but they're 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 maybe just looking to, to turn up their performance a little. Is there anything that you would offer them? So someone who this is almost like the advanced presentation skills tip or two, Jerry. I
1: think one thing, you know, um one of my strategies in my own presentations is. Every presentation I do, I try and challenge myself to improve it Mm. by 1%. Okay. What's one thing I could do here that challenges me? Um, And and it could be just like, you know, a refresh of it, or it could be bringing a new technique or a new tool Mm. or, you know, a new way of communicating something. But for for somebody, you know, if if somebody's listening to this and they regularly give team meetings in a company, for example, Mm -hmm maybe just shake yourself out of that comfort zone. What's one thing new that you could do? Maybe it's a different environment. Bring them to a different environment. Mm-hmm. Maybe if you're always around the table, maybe deliberately without, without a a without that physical barrier mm-hmm. in front of you. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes we use kind of physical objects, you know, um, uh, to kind of almost protect us a little yes. bit. So maybe sometimes, you know, some people might hold something like a pen. And if you, you've always used that, maybe possibly, you know, don't you hold a pen. And that just might... I think that'll get make you even more confident presenter, but also I think just generally looking at the the kind of presentations that we do, how could I, if I was to kind of, kind of challenge said, get another five percent uncomfortable? What would I do? Mm. And to, you know whether it's to, you know, be not rely on PowerPoint, for example, because yes. very often we use PowerPoint sometimes as a
0: crutch. Oh, real crutch, yeah.
1: Yeah, whereas I think PowerPoint. You know, people, somebody's PowerPoint is the presentation for people. But in my view, PowerPoint should support the presentation, not be the presentation. So it might be maybe letting go of PowerPoint or letting go of half the slides that you normally use or bringing in a story where you never Uh told a story kind of thing. And those subtle little things can subliminally, they're actually making you a more skilled and an even more confident presenter as well.
0: Yes, you're working you're working on the scale or the craft of it, as I sometimes say. Um and keeping it fresh. You know, it keeps it fresh for everyone then as well when you're when you're when you're just trying something new or just leaning into it a little. Yeah. No, that makes complete sense. I think for anyone listening in, Jerry, you can tell. You know that 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 you love what you do, um, and of course that that is that is winning the lotto from a career perspective. Um, I, I,
1: I think on on that, I, and you're you're absolutely right. I I could talk about this subject for eight hours, yeah. which I'm sure your <laughs> listeners would want me to do. But but there's 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 a number of reasons. I think how I have that interest and that passion, and I, I think. You know, it's I often tell a a story about a young child that that comes home one day and wants to says, I want to do gymnastics. My friends are doing gymnastics. And so the parents signs them up for gymnastics. The first day they come out all excited. How did it go? It was great. Yeah. What did Mm -hmm. you do? Well, we did this thing called the basics of gymnastics. Mm -hmm. Do you want to go next week? Yeah, it was great. What did you think of it? I loved it so Mm -hmm. much. So a week later the child goes to week two. What did you do this week? Well we did the basics and we did a thing called a routine. Mm-hmm. And what was it like? Oh, it was great. Do you want to go back next week? Definitely want to go back next week. Mm-hmm. A week later the child comes back. What did you do this week? Well, we did the basics and we did the routine. Uh, what was it like? Yeah, it was it was good. And uh, do you want to go back next week? Yeah. A week later the child comes back, what did you do this week? We did the basics and we did the routine. What was like? I was okay. It was okay. Do you want to go back? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll go Mm -hmm. back next week. A week later, the child comes back. What did you do this week? We did the basics and we did the routine. And what was like? It was all right. Like, why do you keep asking me these questions? Like, it's gymnastics. Mm. But the the, the evolution, or maybe not the evolution, the the, the, the kind of slowly, you know, lack of interest in that. What stopped there is the growth. Mm. It became routine. Mm. And for me, I think I, I've been very lucky by having that ambition to always challenge myself to grow. I think, you know, I think one year is we get happiness from us from growth. Yes. And and so therefore, if we I think that that interest, that that love, that passion I have is, yes, it's a subject that I do have a, a kind of a fundamental interest in. And it is part of what I do, but it's also my it's part of my business. And I'm more excited about that than ever, but it's because I constantly challenge myself just to improve, just a tiny bit. It doesn't have to be relentless, like improve by 20% or 50%. Even if it's just tiny incremental improvements, Mm -hmm. my happiness level stays up there. It's and in fact it increases. And it's, it's, I'm getting new experiences. Like even, like I'm doing kind of work now that I didn't even do at all five years ago in terms of mm. workshops, all mm. day workshops and, and, and those things. I've learned an awful lot of new skills in the last five, six years. Some of them from, you know, from working, doing workshops myself or learning from somebody I do a lot of work with that I've brought into my own kind of way of, of delivering. And I found, I can see the impact it has on people. But that has an impact on me in terms yes. of my energy and my interest in the subject itself as well. Yes,
0: yes, I agree completely, Jerry. I think we're we hot-wired to learn and grow. Um, it keeps things interesting. It keeps it fresh based on what we're speaking about today. But I do know, I suppose sometimes, and I know this myself, and I certainly know we'll have people listening in who can relate to this, that if they're feeling, you know, a little bit bored in work or it's the same old, same old, unchallenged, Um, There hasn't been much growth there for a while. And as I often say to maybe, you know, career fulfillment type coaching clients, it's like you've probably outgrown where you are, but the environment is too small for you and your, your wings are feeling clipped. You know, where can you, what can you grow and expand into and to just get curious about that if we haven't been maybe anxiously working on our own growth and development for a while. We'll, we we then get to that stage where we're stuck in a rut almost. You know, the comfort zone has calcified um, all from the lack of growth and stimulation and newness and variety and all of those things. So although what we're chatting about today has been, you know, presentation skills and, and communication, I, I think it's the prism through which we can get the broader life lessons as well. And um, that's what I'm picking up. That's what I'm hearing, Jerry. <laughs> Maybe, of course, that's just me. Who knows?
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think, you know, like I was, in, I was in that job where, you know, I think we're like flowers, mm. like we're either growing or we're dying. And it could mm. be just so subtle and over such a prolonged period of time, we mightn't even notice it.
0: Yes, but, yes.
1: But I know myself, when I stopped growing in a job that I got in my early 20s, like by the time I got to 27, I didn't overly... I wasn't overly enjoying the job at all. It just became a job. Yes. But I realized it was because I was slowly, you know, dying in terms of, of you know, my motivation, but it's because there was no challenge in it. And I, I when I started running, that was, I was challenging myself and that yeah. that was
0: growth. Yeah. And yeah. I got
1: that, that kind of caused me to set a higher bar because, you know, because, and, and that was the value of the growth. And, you know, I now realize in my work where i work and we spend so much of a percentage of our lives mm. in a place called work mm. i now realize because i work for myself i mm. got to be the more i'm the motivator of myself
0: yeah yeah and
1: i realize now i will be as happy in work as I'm ambitious to be, if that makes sense. Yes,
0: yes. So what yes. am I
1: doing to innovate myself? And I know sometimes people, it's, some people listen to this, maybe working in companies where it's a fixed kind of way of doing things. Mm-hmm. But is there anything that you could do to maybe innovate the role, uh, innovate the relationships, innovate how you do what you yeah. do? Uh, I think ultimately, yes, the company might benefit, mm-hmm. but I think we'll be the big winner of yes. this in terms of yes. our, our experience in that time when we do work.
0: Yes, yes. Yes. Yeah. No, that's that's spot on. The, 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 you know, I can relate to that personally, Jerry, I have to say, because it's not even only, you know, if you're working for an organization, it's it's the same when you work for yourself. <laughs> um, and the phrase that comes to mind for me is, um, you know, is finding a bit of wiggle room where you can, um, but but also looking for new ways to make work work for you
1: yeah and it could be something as simple like it doesn't have to be something radical mm. but do you know what i do one of the things i do every three or four months so like you i, I over the last three years i spent a lot of time working with it, one of those stand-up desks yes. into a zoom or a teams call yes. and but one of the things i, I, I challenge myself to do is at, at kind of set periods throughout the year i will completely change the layout of my office And like, it's only, it's only like 150, 200 square feet. It's not a big office, but I will move the table to have a different aspect in the office. And I did it there about three weeks ago. And I genuinely felt even more energized coming into work the next day when I walked in and it was unfamiliar because I, would for three or four, five months, I'd been in this set position. I walk in, it looks, even all I've done is turn the desk around, change the lights around, but it just gave me, it, it, it just gave me a fresh energy, and momentum and but after a period of time that will fade so i yeah. gotta kind of I, i'll do something that's why i think doing it It could be even when we we clean our house or clean our car, the feeling it gives us. Mm. But that that can be a metaphor for the different things that we do in life. Relationships are the exact same. Like, you know, like the success of our relationships. Like, what are we doing to, are are we static? Because we're not static. We're either growing or we're dying. So what's some simple things we can do to just keep that freshness in relationships? Yeah, yeah. It transfers into so many areas of life.
0: Yeah, because we're habit-forming creatures, Jerry. You know, we, we, it makes life easier. We're, we're hot-wired to form comfort zones. But after a while, that can get stale. Yeah. I love that idea of just changing things around for a different perspective um, uh, and a different viewpoint. You see it even, I think I was saying to you, I'm, I'm back at college these days, and, you know, week after week, you're sort of into the same room and you sort of find people gravitating towards the same seats in the same room on the same days. And all of that is just the habit stuff, whereas maybe I might be hot words a little differently, but I try to sit in a different chair for every class each week. Where have I not sat? The front, the back, the right, the left, the middle? Only because it gives me a different viewpoint. You don't settle into your position as quickly. You have a different outlook on, on that experience. Um, yeah. I, would
1: underst- I wouldn't underestimate the 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 value of what you're doing here, and and it, even you could, as you said, it's the aspect you could end up meeting somebody in the next three or four weeks that you might never have yeah. met just by that subtle. Yeah challenging yeah. your own behavior
0: yeah uh, yeah lovely we could chat all day on this jerry um we're, we're going to close as i always do with uh with, with the quick fire around although sometimes it's not the most quick fire because i can often lead off into other conversations but it's the questions that i am that i always ask my guests and it's always a nice way to close up our conversation as well um so jerry what's your most cherished possession
1: yeah so that question it's it's i'm probably going to give you an answer that you mightn't be expecting and if, i i was i i was reminded even more of this about two hours ago so i was in in a doctor surgery this morning at eight o'clock right doing an annual my what i call my agm right an annual general medical
0: your care service yes <laughs>
1: and i had i kind of did all the tests a couple of weeks ago and then you meet the doctor two weeks that's the way to do it so i did all the blood tests two weeks ago and i got yes. all the results this morning And he was going through all the results, and every result came back, thankfully, the way I wanted it. Great, great. And, you know, I walked out there, and I would have given you, I'd like to think I would have given you this answer yesterday. I, i definitely given you today the most precious possession I have is my health. Yeah. And how blessed am I to walk out of that doctor's surgery today having got all those results. Um, Because somebody somewhere is not as fortunate as I am. So that for me is the number one position that I have is I'm blessed with good health.
0: Yeah, that's uh, spot on. I hear you on that one. Um, There's no doubt for people listening in today will see you as a motivational person, as an inspirational person, Jerry. Uh, But what inspires you?
1: What inspires me, and it it does tie into that one as well. You know, you spoke about conscious breathing earlier on. For me, what what inspires me is conscious living, Mm. realizing that, you know, if I'm privileged to get a hundred years, like when Mm. you put a hundred years into like a billion years, say the universe, I don't know whether it's a billion or 10 billion, but when you put a hundred years into that, it literally, I'm going to click my fingers now. And that's That's how long a hundred years in when you kind of, when you throw it into a billion Mm. and hopefully, you know, just to reaffirm that communication, it's a very conscious awareness that this is a very quick window that I have in the world. Like if I'm privileged even to get, you know, a hundred years. So the, 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 the thing that inspires me the most is, you know, conscious awareness that 2022 is, it goes so fast. It's a year of my life. And there's only a certain number of these. So, am I making the most of mm. each of those gifts called a year of my life?
0: Mm. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and conscious living, as you say. Yeah, the um, uh, I suspect you're a bit like me, Jerry. You read a lot. You're on podcasts, blogs, books, uh, anything that you're constantly reading or learning that you're finding inspiring or interesting. I I love
1: listening to Jim Rohn, which I'm sure you'll know exactly what I'm talking about there, Jim Rohn, R-O-H-N, a man Mm -hmm. whose time has passed, but Mm -hmm. there's a lot of his stuff still out there on YouTube. I find him incredibly educational and an incredibly inspiring person. Um, I love business books, if I'm being honest with you. I'm a huge fan of Patrick Lencioni's business books. He's written 10 or 12 of them. Uh, a book, I, I love, I love business books. So I, that's what I, I often listen to. And one I'm listening to for the second time, because I, I, I sometimes listen back to books again and mm-hmm. again and again, just to, and it, I'm amazed at how I hear things I didn't hear in the first or the second time I listened to it. Of
0: course.
1: Um, but a book called Traction, Getting a Grip on Your Business. And the reason I, I listen to that is obviously to keep focused on my own business, but I do a lot of deep dive work with companies in leadership mm-hmm. and kind of helping companies get to where they want to get to. And that book was recommended to me three or four years ago. It's, In my opinion, it's a fabulous book. It's called Traction, Getting a Grip on Your Business by an author called Gino Wickman.
0: Okay, Gino Wickman. I've not come across that. I'm scribbling that down as you're speaking. (laughs) um, uh, Another interesting question, this one, Jerry. It's like, what's something that maybe you saw as a failure or a setback at the time, but that with hindsight you can now maybe correctly label as a blessing in disguise?
1: Uh, I I mentioned earlier on I set up my own business in 2003 Mm. 2009 2010 I couldn't make it work so technically that wasn't the outcome that I was looking for but it was a blessing in disguise because it taught me resilience Mm. and and I I, there's an expression must is a great master I kind of had to come out fighting I wouldn't have set up this business if that hadn't happened and I loved that business when I was in it but I loved this even more so that's that's definitely one that stands out for me.
0: Yeah, touch resilience. Uh, that, that modern phrase of business pivots. You were pivoting back then, Jerry. Um, yeah, yeah. The, um, uh, something left of center with this one. What's a guilty pleasure?
1: Definitely a glass of wine.
0: Oh, definitely, okay. Definitely,
1: <laughs> definitely, or maybe two.
0: <laughs> well, you've your full bill of health. There you go. Uh, last but not least, um, Jerry, if you had a motto, and I know you've shared plenty of quotes with us today, um, but if there was a motto or, or favourite quote, words that inspire you, words that you return to, um, what might they be?
1: Work harder on yourself than you do on your job. Ah, okay. Jim Rohn. Yes. Definitely, um, that's the one... That that's if, if I if I if I only had one quote that I could bring to the next to world, whatever, island. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> that, that's one. It's it's and just investing in yourself, personal development, yeah. challenging yourself, um, you know, even that, that public speaking, like th- th- I could have I could have backed out of that, but I didn't. Mm-hmm. And it was it was life changing for me, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um I, I was very unfit. I, I took up exercise and became fit. That was working harder on me. I, I'm so much better in in my career ever since because of that impact of physical exercise. So, and it can be many, many, many other things as well. But definitely work harder on yourself than you do on your job.
0: It's it's funny because I I know of Jim Rohn and um, um and, and when you were mentioning them earlier, that was the quote that came to mind for me. It's funny how you can really associate something with someone um, and it was a lovely reminder today on that as well because I think we we, we always have control over working on ourselves um, and it starts with intention or it goes back to your word earlier, focus and consciousness. Yeah fantastic. Oh Jerry, there was so much in that today. I'm going to have to go back and listen to it myself because my pen was writing and part of the issue is I can no longer read my writing when I'm excited writing. So there was a lot in there and and I really want to thank you for your for your time and for your for your generosity today because I think what you've shared will will resonate with so many people um whether it's presentation skills or even broader than that. So thank you.
1: Thank you very much, James.
0: Uh, and let's just before we wrap up let's just remind um uh, people how they can connect with you whether it's for the speaker school or even more broadly uh, the website jerryduffyacademy.com i have that That's right Jerry, yeah and then the main social media platform is um is linkedin for linkedin
1: you. Is, is is where i where i, I usually go to the most yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah great so Jerry duffy on that perfect so thank you for tuning in today I hope you enjoyed my my chat with Jerry my goodness we could have chatted all day Uh, so much information in there so generous with his time and his tips um, and I hope you enjoyed it I know I certainly did and as I said at the outset this is the the last episode in the current season of your time Um, but I will have a special episode or two special episodes straddling Christmas one to wrap up the year and one to start the new year so thank you for tuning in. Thank you for your support over this season. My thanks again to Jerry for today and until next time. Thank you for listening this week. If you enjoyed this episode and have a moment, please rate, review and subscribe if you haven't already. And maybe you'd like to share it with a friend too. For more information about me, James Sweetman, my coaching services, workshops, books, and for more podcast episodes, be sure to visit jamesweetman.com.